Hi, and welcome to the 31st Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Women in Transport. I will be speaking with Suzanne Sherry, Early Careers Manager at ScotRail, who will be sharing her thoughts on getting more girls and other minorities into transport roles. As ever, we'll be hearing from Womanthology's Associate Editor, Inesh Santos, about the new stories in the written issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in the details on the front page of our website, that's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have got Suzanne Sherry, who is Early Careers Manager at ScotRail. Welcome, Suzanne. How are you doing today? Thanks very much. Um, I am wonderful. Thanks, Fiona. Nice to be here. Well, looking forward to chatting with you. I'm going to start, Suzanne, by asking you if you can tell us about your educational background and career to date. Of course, so I'm not a university individual, I have to say. So in Scotland, we stay on for the full six years. When I left school, I really did want to become a teacher. That was my desire. However, the college that I was accepted to would have to have moved away from home and my parents were uncomfortable with that idea. So um, that was quickly hit in the head and we then looked at other alternatives and I secured a role with the Bank of Scotland. And for the first for 18 years, I remained at the bank and nothing to do with early careers, nothing to do with young people, all different types of role within the Bank of Scotland over the 18 years and then finished up there due to redundancy. And if I'm honest, I fell into Arnold Clark. I fell into my role at Arnold Clark and really grew into the early careers manager's role there. And then I find myself now here at ScotRail um, doing a very similar position. So if we're imagining you day to day at ScotRail, what sort of things are we imagining you doing, Suzanne? Interestingly, because it's obviously been COVID, I've found myself starting a new position during a lockdown, uh, therefore working from home, which is quite new territory I think not just for myself but for many other people and it was great because I think there was that flexibility around about you know childcare and and being here for my daughter coming home from school which was great and I think that's what's really been lovely I suppose around about this um, working from home and hybrid model but starting a new job where you're not around people and trying to learn a job and meet new people and friends and colleagues and things has been pretty tough I have to say it's been a bit of a challenge but so normal circumstances it would be day-to-day responsible for the apprenticeship recruitment campaign that we would bring into the business so interacting with young people interacting with marketing department around about rewriting adverts working with the recruitment team around about the screening process and arranging interviews working with 
the managers of the different stations and the depots. So predominantly it's about the young people. It's about working through that journey of bringing them in once we get them started, what that experience is going to look like, continuing to support them through almost a bit like a pastoral care role, which is what I also enjoy. When I was at Arnold Clark, we had, we recruited about 400 apprentices every year. But here in Scotland, we've only taken in 16 apprentices so far this year, which is lovely because you're going to be able to get to know them as individuals. We've had, you know, interactions with their family members and things as well, which is lovely. So I suppose within the business, there's a real appetite around about growth for apprenticeships in the business. So there's been quite a bit of activity about looking at different areas of the business that would never normally have considered an apprenticeship before. So a couple of kind of papers, if we call it that, around about some campaigns to recruit into areas that we hadn't considered before. So quite a bit of activity around about that as well. So no days be the same, it's all a bit different. Normally it would have been things like out at events, you talk about meeting people, and I have had some of that. I've been out on location, I've been to Aberdeen and Inverness and things, obviously, um, following COVID procedures. So it has been lovely, but definitely a big change to what that day-to-day role would normally have looked like um, pre-COVID. And just remind us, Suzanne, but in terms of ScotRail and how that works with the rail system in Scotland for those of people who are outside Scotland. I suppose that the easiest way that I would describe it and what was described to me when I first started was network rail are responsible for the track across the track infrastructure and ScotRail are responsible for the trains. So if you think about a network rail engineer, then they're doing engineering works on track, whereas our engineers would be actually on train. We're the main train operating company that refers to us as a talk. So we're the, the talk for Scotland and we run all the services across um, across fully Scotland. That makes perfect sense. So for the context for the listeners as well, we've done a, a lot of work with Arnold Clark your former employer so I think the world of the diversity and inclusion stuff that they've been doing and the the gender balance work that they've been doing so for the people that aren't familiar with Arnold Clark so a huge car organization so everybody thinks that we would hire cars we would have sold cars Uh, but of course it's much more than that we had a huge marketing department software development team IT team everything it was just huge and right across the UK. Um, so we were uh, really, at, when I was Arnold Clark as early affairs manager, we had a team of, there was 10 of us in total, and we were responsible really from everything from recruiting the apprentices in the region of about, as I mentioned, 400 per annum. But in addition to that as well, we'd be creating employability programmes, so opportunities for young people, particularly around about equality, diversity and inclusivity. We're thinking about underrepresented young people, um, care experienced young people, Obviously, it was a very male-dominated environment that we worked in at Clark, sorry, and even at Scotrail as well. Um, I was honoured to be part of the progressive work that Arnold Clark did and, and continue to do. I was absolutely delighted to play my part. And I said earlier on, I stumbled into my role at Arnold Clark. So they gave me an opportunity to realise a dream. You know, this, this type of career, this type of work, I never knew that I necessarily wanted to do this. So I got the opportunity to explore that and find a job that I really love. And they were so supportive. Nothing was a problem. An abundance of opportunity for me. If I come up with ideas, it was like, yep, great, go and try it. So always that kind of thing. I was able to do many things that young people benefited from. And in terms of the gender balance in the, the, the rail sector, where are we up to with that? How are we addressing what's going on there? 
So very low statistics, you know, around it, low percentages around about females. When you look at certain types of roles like engineering, for example, you know, train driving, you're naturally going to have lower numbers within the business internally, similar, I suppose, to the the pathway that Arnold Park followed, we're looking at many different avenues internally about how we can work in them, young people and attracting young talent and female talent into the business. Unfortunately, in this year, because of COVID, there just has been some impact around about the, the opportunity to develop things. But the good news is we are working in programmes. I'm quite known, I suppose, if I'm, if I'm Googled, that my Girls With Skills programme that we created at Arnold Clark, and that was around about addressing the gender imbalance in that sector. So that programme can be lifted and flipped into any sector or any industry. So we're really keen that we are going to do something like that for next year within the, the business at ScotRail. The plan is it will be around about engineering. So the idea came from we had 28 female applications this year for our engineering programme. That was out of 1,008 applications in total. So not a lot, but still better than zero. But from the 28, two were interviewed and one young girl successfully secured a position. So the 27 that remained really, it left thinking about what could we do? These young ladies have taken the first step of going, I'd like to do this. Now that's the biggest challenge is them actually indicating that they're interested. So you've got a captive audience almost. So for me, where the programme would stem from there and what I wanted to do was it was around about actually making contact with the 27. So first of all, the things like looking at, do they have the entry qualifications? Because we're not going to say a young person up to fail. We're not going to bring them in with lower qualifications. That means the qualification of the engineering framework is beyond them. So we would never set somebody up to fail. So we would work through stages of that programme and it would be in the first instance checking, you know, that, that they can do, they've got the entry requirements. And beyond that, it was really going to be something like, let's do a virtual session with whoever's interested out of the 27 and what we do is we really talk to them why did you apply you know why were you interested you know what is it why is it you want to come and do this role and really try and get that burning desire from them and from there what we would have then done would have an opportunity to see a week's work experience they could have went on and done a week in a depot and to then see if that desire continued some may after that go oh goodness no I had no idea it'd be like this it's not for me whereas other people would be going oh it's really excited me I really want to do it and then beyond that you would maybe do some employability stuff with them so filling out your application creating a good CV what does a good interview look like doing some prep work around about that so there's only eight engineering positions available per year I'm not in a position where you're almost like you know, going, we're ring fencing some positions for you. But what we are doing, we're putting those in the original 27, if we get down even half of them and they make it into an interview space, we're putting them in a much stronger position. And that for me was the first stepping stone. So that model, I suppose, is kind of where we're going to go next year depending on the female number of applications but we'll be doing some work to and, and stuff around about equate Scotland you know gendered language inclusive language making sure that our adverts are not written in a way that you've been putting off any individual with protected characteristics we want to make sure that we show ourselves as an employer that is open to everyone yeah that makes perfect sense and you've touched a bit on work experience but obviously the pandemic's made that more difficult because I remember back back in uh, 
say back in my day that makes me sound really old so I'm not going to say back in my day but it used to be that work experience it would be a week two weeks in the year and you'd go into a workplace but obviously with the pandemic that's changed everything around how have we managed to deal with that yeah so I think many businesses have been amazing and what they've been able to do is they have managed to flip to a virtual space and I think for certain types of a qualification apprenticeships are, are, are types of roles within industry that people are interested in I think that that's in some respects it's quite an easy space to fill for example things like IT you know software development you could have maybe given a project you know over a period of time and, and they'd comfortably work on it at home however when you, you move into a space of things like a vehicle technician or an engineer or something how do you inspire that young person from a, a virtual work experience place really difficult so I think because he's got you know, the transition period that they were in the, the existing if you know, early careers manager was in maternity leave I joined Scotrail to cover her maternity leave in a one-year fixed term contract so the space that left and then myself joining it meant they were you know, Scotrail didn't really have the opportunity to operate in that space really and um, in some respects it's good because it's given us the opportunity to take a step back Michelle has now returned and we're able to step back and look and go let's create a really good work experience program so for us it stopped pretty much together we are finding we're getting more inquiries now around about starting that back up which is great because that's exactly what we want to be doing but we want to make sure that we've got a really robust fit for purpose program and that might mean that some of that is virtual we look at different areas of the business we didn't consider before that we can do them in a virtual space and do a really mixed version of work experience but I think really valuable you reference there about your own work experience when I remember you know I remember my work experience placement at school a one-week placement and the irony I went to a building society and I then started working in a bank so however you know that one week placement it's something or, or any work experience opportunity it stays with that young person forever I think and it gives them the first taste in the world of work it might be something that continues to inspire them where they then say this is definitely what I want to do. I know this now, but actually, might leave from that experience saying, you know, I, I'm really glad I've tried it out, but actually, it, it's not for me. I've changed my mind. And that's okay because they would be further down the line with that career option, not realizing, but they get to try before they buy effectively. And they can then say, well, you know, it's not actually for me. And certainly in Scotland, it's quite built into the curriculum, whereas not so much, I think, in England. We have a mix of um, kind of an industry or a, and an education. It would be a one-week placement or a potential extended placement. It would be referred to so maybe an afternoon a week or a day a week or something like that. Um, there's a place for both of them. I go back and I keep saying this, but there's certain types of roles where that one afternoon a week would be really good because they're working in project-style type environment or work or something like that whereas for me I think in some of these traditional type roles a one-week placement is really got a place too but I think it also looks at things around about their values it's about their integrity it's about them as an individual because it's also the things about the real world of work historically was all of us getting up out of bed and nine times out of ten going to work five days a week we were sitting in the commute five days a week or we were catching a bus or a train so we needed to be out the house in time we needed to do that consistently over five days some of these one afternoon a week models may be that what's actually happening is that they're taxied from the school 
So actually, they're not understanding about them having to go on their own accord and actually get the bus. What do I do if I miss the bus? What are my actions? I need to phone ahead and say, I'm sorry, I missed the bus and I'm getting the next bus. What you know, We teach them that type of thing, which is so imperative in the working world. So I think that work experience has got a place for both styles. I, I really hope the employers are going to continue to come back and embrace it because it's so valuable for young people. It really is. So how is the government supporting in Scotland? So the apprenticeship world, I suppose, you know, and even employers engaging with education. Skills Development Scotland do an amazing job. But in addition to that as well, we have regional groups that are called Developing Young Workforce Groups. And they are linked between education and industry. So it puts an employer in a really strong position of if they have an offering of whatever that may be, um, volunteering, work experience, apprenticeship, job opportunity, anything like that, then there's almost a starting point of where to go because it can be a pretty cluttered landscape. Within that as well, following the COVID pandemic, there's been further investment. So there was the DYW regional groups, but beyond that, there is now a school coordinator in every school dedicated to that piece of work, you know, around about that education and industry engagement. Um, in partnership working but there's also an initiative called the Young Persons Guarantee and the Young Persons Guarantee is a commitment to bring employers and partners and young people together in the age brackets of between 16 to 24 and it's about engaging employers asking them to sign up to that guarantee with Scottish Government to say that they are going to be able to consider options to offer to young people, whether it be a job, an apprenticeship, further or higher education, training or a a volunteer programme. There's over 300 employers now signed up to this. It's a strong campaign. We at ScotRail have been an early adopter to that, but we're delivering the apprenticeship side. And, you know, what the plan is that they're going to look for employers to be able to try and deliver in as many of those offerings to young people as we possibly can. It's exciting. There's some funding streams available to employers and things like that as well. So really about supporting, even when I reference young people, even 25 plus as well, there's some funding models available for employers to look to, for these individuals to gain some some training to be able to put them in a stronger position for the labour market to ensure that they can progress in some way, shape or form for their career as well. So that's pretty exciting. It's great as a business that we're able to work so closely, you know, with the Scottish Government. I am fortunate that personally I've got a board place on two of the regional groups, one of them for Lanarkshire and Eastern Bartonshire and the other one in the West region. I also play a part on the Scottish Apprenticeship Advisory Board on their Equalities Engagement Group, so it fits nicely with my passion, particularly around about gender, but it sits nicely there. And also as well, recently newly appointed to the Apprenticeship Approvals Group. So again, that's giving an employer view and looking at frameworks, new developed apprenticeship frameworks that actually have nothing to do with the job I do. I've been looking at things to do with veterinary nursing and um, the fire service and what things, but it's great to get an insight into all these different industries as well. So it's a great learning curve for me too. But um, but yeah, but, but the Scottish Government, I feel, have really got, you know, they're really progressive around about the work that they're doing um, from education and understanding the linking and the collaboration and the partnership working as well, which is great.
So how do we make recruitment more inclusive in general, and but also in relation to gender? I think your workforce, the existing workforce, the, 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 the few females you maybe have in your business, you'll get them on board and get them talking about their experience. I think that's really quite critical. It's about helping them, particularly in an apprenticeship in a young person's space, because what effectively we're saying is it's a big leap for that young person to think, if I apply for this job, I could be the only girl in a classroom full of boys doing my training, you know, or anything like that. So hearing some other young people, young females banish the myths of it's not as bad as, as we maybe think um, is great. When it's good to utilise your, your existing staff that way. I think job adverts, you know, reviewing your job adverts, I mentioned earlier, inclusive language, you know, make sure there's no barriers. Um, there um, we have worked with Equate Scotland across all of our adverts in actual fact and you know certainly looking at a, a full review of them but I think as well imagery your, your website the imagery you have in adverts and social media anything you have in and around your business area for us you know stations depots and things make sure you're reflecting your diverse workforce through the imagery you're using. I remember a piece of work that I was involved in, Arnold Clark, and we reached out to a number of different organisations to be helped, almost be guided by them around about certain types of cultures and things. And as a business, understanding what we could do better for the, the people that worked in our workforce within these cultures. And it stuck with me forever around about um someone from a, a culture who would wear a headscarf and if they were looking for a job opportunity and they came across a role for an employer, any employer, um, that's in a uniformed environment and they see on their website or on their adverts and it refers to a, a logo or a brand, a logo that a branded headscarf to match the uniform. And for them, what they were really seeing is for that individual in that culture, they would see that as being a really progressive company invested in their staff enough to say, we're adopting it into our uniform. We've got what we've got a headscarf to match your uniform. And it really resonated with me around about, wow, something that might seem as, as small but actually the impact you could have and I think you know just understanding different cultures and certain types of culture making eye contact with individuals is seen in a senior position are seen as um, disrespectful but actually if we were interviewing somebody and they were not given as eye contact we would almost be thinking that was quite rude so so it's, it's about everyone about understanding all that diversity and about different cultures to understand what it is that we need because we need a diverse workforce we need to let these individuals use focus groups and help them shape the policies that are in our business to make the business more successful which naturally it would hopefully do but in general I think it just would mean that it, it, it shown as a workplace and as an employer that we're inclusive to all and, and that everyone's got a place and everyone's got a voice and I think it's really really important outward facing to tell around about campaigns when you're looking to recruit into the business. So sometimes it's not going to be things that happen overnight. These types of activity can take quite some time and it can maybe feel like you're plodding, plodding through mud, but actually you're making small wins all the way along the way. And I suppose when you're doing that, it's celebrating the small wins that you've got. Look at the, the bits that you have achieved and reflecting them and celebrate that success, I would say, if, if you, you see that you're making a difference. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, as you say, the more that you can remember these things, then you've got this kit bag of things because not everybody 
gets inclusion, do they, in, in all organisations? Yeah. If you've got barriers to inclusion, not everybody always buys into it as well. So if you've got these tangible yeah. examples, that's so important to get those people on side as well. Absolutely. Definitely. So Suzanne, we've, we're coming to the end of our time together. So what's coming up next for you? What are you excited about? So I think I referenced earlier, I am in a space I don't normally find myself in a one-year fixed-term contract. Um, but I don't think, and pardon the pun, the journey may not be over. It's got real, but for a, a train company, but it might not be the end of the road here. I'm hopefully quite positive and, and I'd love to remain. So I'm hoping that's maybe the opportunity, but whatever it is, it will be working with young people in some way, shape or form. And I do feel, when I look back over the years and as I said, I stumbled into this role, but when I look back, I, I do feel really proud. And I look at many people that hundreds and thousands of young people that have come through an apprenticeship programme or some sort of employability programme or anything, you know, that we've, we've helped them with. We've given them the, the stepping stone, the starting point. They've come in and they've created their success themselves. But to be able to look back and see people at the end of you know, their apprenticeship programmes or graduations or looking at them in LinkedIn and they're up for awards and things like that is just phenomenal. And that's that's why I do the job I do. That's the reason why I love the job that I do. And I'm just passionate. I think, you know, from a Scottish government level, from an education level, this is talent for the future and people need to invest in them. One size doesn't fit all when it's about thinking about creative ways and as we move on, thinking about different ways to do things. But one of the things that's always has been said to me is about the, the passion I have that, and this is probably, you know, this was really out of my comfort zone doing this today as a podcast. I've never done this before. But for me, it's about hoping that passion comes across more so in a podcast than it would maybe in a piece of paper and an article or anything like that. It's about trying to say, I am excited. This is the reason why that I do the job I do. And I really do hope that whatever the next chapter is, but I'm sure it'll be exciting. And as my mother used to say to me, what's for you won't go by you. So whatever's meant to be in that next chapter is what will be. Well, Suzanne, can I just say it really shines through all your enthusiasm and all your experience in the sector as well. So would it be all right for us to keep in touch with you as well? So to follow of your course. progress and we can keep speaking as well. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Hello, my name is Ines Santos. I am the Associate Editor of Womanfology and I am here to tell you all about our new Women in Transport issue. The stories include Jody Smith, a truck driver with a Class 2 heavy goods vehicle license, shares how she got into driving, the best parts of the role and what needs to change to encourage more women to join the industry. Chloe Leach, O'Connell and Caroline Ward from Women in Transport, Diversity and Inclusion Bus Group talk about the Inclusive Employment Journey project they are currently working on. Also, Dr. Rachel Nichols-Lee, Research Fellow at the University of Exeter and Chartered Marine Engineer, explains how the male-dominated language in the marine sector must change. 
Alice Catchpole, train driver at Avanti West Coast, tells us about learning to drive high-speed trains after initially studying politics at university before embarking on a career change. Finally, Dana Skelly, OBE, chartered civil engineer, tells us about the new project she is working on with the Chartered Institute of Highways and Transportation to advance equality, diversity and inclusion. She also explains how inspiring and rewarding engineering can be and that it is not all about muddy boots and steel beams. Do check out our website, womanfology.co.uk, to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link to the show on social media and also follow the show. The feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. That's all for us for 2021 now. We do hope you managed to get a good break over the holidays after what has undoubtedly been another challenging year for us all. But we'll be back in the new year with our Women of Colour episode. In the meantime, take care, stay safe and happy holidays to all our listeners.